What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. What's up, man? I mean, I'm fighting this uh, this science infection. My voice all messed up. What's going on with you? I'm still devastated by the national championship game. I'm trying to figure out if I'm actually in the real world or is this some, like, Black Mirror shit going on. Man, I never thought that I would see a Nick Saban coach team get just the holy hell beat out of them like that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think we're in one of those Bandersnatch episodes and somebody's making decisions just to see how we all react because I didn't ever think I would see them get dominated. Right. Get beat, that's one thing. But they got completely dominated. They look like an ACC team. What? At what point did you give up on the whole, okay, it's still Alabama, this is still a game, they can still come back? What, what, what was the point where that came for you? When he went for it on fourth and one in his own territory, um, because to me, that showed that he didn't believe that he could score with them or stop them. Um, I'd never really see Nick Saban make gambles like that. Like, he went for it on fourth and one, and they were like, they were on the 35 or something. Yeah, they were on the 30 or something like that. And he went for it to get, yeah, and they got it. But it's just <clears throat> making that decision felt like to me that he did not feel like they could stop them. Right. Um, so. If Bama can't stop them, um, their offense wasn't churning. So. so clearly we were wrong all along on Clemson. <laughs> I mean, Clemson is clearly, I mean, clearly the best team in, in college football, If uh, judging by last night. Yeah, but, but it's hard to judge. That's the that's the problem um, with teams is that when, when you play in your conference, it's just like the argument that I argue with people about OU. I mean, if you don't respect any of the teams, you never really know how good these teams are until they get against the league competition, which is not until the bowl games. I wish we could just do away with conferences all together and just get some elite matchups like they do in college football. Now, I'm not saying you need to play 12 elite matchups, but, man, three or four, that wouldn't be bad during the season. No, you're not going to get a lot of undefeated teams, but you'll know what you're getting when you get these players. I don't like this, hey, they go undefeated, so they should go. I like more like college basketball, man. They could have a four-loss team, but they may be ranked number two because their competition's better. Yeah, I mean, and I think the whole thing is the whole undefeated thing needs to be stopped. I mean, and you and I have talked about, um, you know, Central Florida maybe getting a shot or some of these other teams. I think that, yeah, like you said, if we have more games that mean something during the regular season, so what if no one's undefeated? We can get an idea. I mean, no one in the NFL goes undefeated ever. So, yeah. you know, who cares? It just depends on when you're playing the best football at the best time. And I would be okay with an eight-game regular season and then, a you know, a playoff of eight to 12 teams, man. But all these extra games, I know it's for money, whatever, conferences, blah, blah, blah. But it's just kind of watered down. It's like you were saying at the regular season, Clemson won the championship, and it was probably 20% of Clemson fans even there. I don't even know if they believed that they could beat Bama because they've seen Clemson go undefeated and then lose to Bama last year. You just never really know what you're getting until you get it there, until you get there. Unless you're Bama, and now that's even becoming a little more risky because last year, I mean, if, if Nick Saban doesn't throw in Tua and Tua does that against Georgia, I mean, there was they were still a sack away. I mean, that's what people don't realize. Tua got sacked in that game, and they were like at 
fourth and 22 or something crazy when he threw that game-winning touchdown pass. Right. So they're very close to going 0-2 in championship games, which is still mo- most colleges would want that. But, I mean, they're showing that there's chips in the armor of the great Alabama. Everyone's catching up. Well, I mean, you kind of have to think that um, it maybe everyone's catching up, but also – how big of a deal is it that Nick State Nick Saban doesn't have the coaching staff that he's used to having? I mean, um, you know, Lane Kiffin was one of the best offensive minds in the country. Um, Sarkeesian was known as a good offensive mind, but you know, it's just when your your staff is getting plucked year in and year out, eventually that starts to matter, right? Well, you're definitely seeing those effects on defense because, I mean, Bama, Bama has that stigma of being the great defense, but Kirby's taking all that. I mean, you saw it in this recruiting class here. I mean, Kirby's coming into these kids' houses and being like, yeah, you can go to Bama, but I made Bama. I can I can make you the next Mika Fitzpatrick. I can make you the next. Like, he has a bigger resume to say he can make players in the scheme. His scheme is what you know works. I mean, you can go, because even the Alabama teams before he got there, their defenders went to NFL, but they weren't really impactful. You right. know what I mean? Um, but kind of since he's been there, he's been putting pros in that have an effect on the game. And I think you're seeing that in these recruiting classes. I was watching that U.S. All-American game, and Georgia got that safety that they were comparing to, uh, what's his name, Darwin James? Darwin James, yeah. And Mika, Fitz- mm-hmm. and Mika Fitzpatrick, they were saying he's a hybrid like that, and came down to Georgia and Bama. And he said that the reason why he went to uh, Georgia is because Kirby Smart told him that he can put him in that role of Micah Fitzpatrick and make him a lottery pick. So you're seeing that Georgia's defense is getting a lot better. Alabama's defense is taking a hit from that. Yeah. um, I still think that, you know, Alabama is always going to be the cream of the crop as long as Nick Saban is there. Or at least, maybe not the cream of the crop, but at least competing for a you know, national championships year in and year out. You know, you start to see people that, that have said that, you know, <coughs> excuse me, is this the beginning of the end for Nick Saban? You know, he's old, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, Alabama's still going to get the best talent while he's there. And he's still, in my opinion, the best coach in college football. But... I mean, I agree. Even when I was talking about I was watching that game, they were talking about last year Alabama had one of their worst recruiting classes in years because they finished fifth, and he he fired recruiting assistants because they finished fifth. So he still holds uh, he still holds all his coaches to a high standard. I have no doubt that they'll be back. But, yeah, I think that Kirby Smart is really making them take a hit, though. So, all right, enough about Alabama. Um, let's talk a little bit about Clemson, man. I mean, those dudes – I mean, they just they have just as much NFL talent on that team. Um, maybe they're not as deep as far as, like, your second and third guy going pro like Alabama, but they definitely have an all-pro offensive-defensive line, um, and their, their freshman quarterback looks like he's going to be really, really good. I think that was the most surprising thing to me about the whole game is that how Alabama was dominated on the offensive and defensive line. Like, it, it's crazy how he was dominating. If that was Georgia, that's one thing. I knew that you could, by the Georgia game, I knew you could shake up Tua if you could get Tua. Now, I didn't think, oh, you could get Tua. I wasn't positive that Clemson could, too, even with the suspension of that Lawrence kid. But that defensive line is really good. Like, that defensive line dominated Alabama. And that offensive line protected from all those blitzes. Because once he got desperate, he started blitzing Lawrence, and they couldn't touch him. So I was really impressed with the domination in the on the trenches because you typically don't do that against an Alabama team. You know, and 
And he started off the game really shaky. I mean, he was sailing the ball over guys' heads. Um, you know, didn't look good. And even with that pick six or the first, you know, it was going back and forth. And, um, you know, it was 14-13 or whatever the case was. Um, I was still thinking Alabama was going to be able to pull this out. But once uh, Trevor Lawrence settled down, man, you know, and, and not that he gets all the credit because the wide receiver, the true freshman. Man. Uh, what's his name? Um uh, a Ross, yeah, there was one named Ross, Ross, and one named Higgins, and there was one from last year. I can't remember his name. Starts with an H. Or something. Man, Justin Ross was making one-handed catches, just crazy catches all over the place. Um, I mean that that kid was impressive. Yeah, and it helped that he was going against a uh, a freshman himself. So freshman on freshman, <laughs> I don't know what Alabama's cornerback uh, situation is all across the board, but I would have took that kid out because he was getting lit left up and right all game. Left and right. Um, but Lawrence looked good, man. Lawrence is so calm and cool. Lawrence had a little Nick Foles in on that California cool, man. I know he's from Georgia, but he had that Nick Foles, California cool, kind of just sitting chill. Nothing really disrupted him. He never looked agitated. Even when he was doing bad, he never really looked rattled. That calmness can help a team. Man, and he would stand in the pocket and take hits and um, still deliver the ball. He would step up. Uh, he made some some NFL throws yesterday, and I, I was really impressed by him. Yeah, that, that kid's tough, man. He's really tough. And even at the end of the game, it's like he wanted to show how tough he was. They started running uh, quarterback keepers, and he was, like, dropping his shoulder on players. So it's pretty impressive performance all around by Lawrence. So I, I guess I think I think he's ready right now. Well, man. I don't know about that. He's still not the biggest of people. I mean, it's going to take some time to the, – the difference between college and the NFL is, you know, he's going to have to put on some weight, and he's going to have to get stronger. He's going to have to do all that that kind of stuff. And, you know – But how much bigger do you honestly think he's going it's not to about be? It's not about being bigger, but you, you as well as anybody else knows, there's a difference between teenager strength and grown man strength. I mean – you know, two years of college is going to help that, and then being in in, in in the pros for a year. I mean, the kid is 19, or or whatever he is, 18, 19. You know, there's a difference between being 19 and strong and being 22 and strong, or 20, 21 and strong, going into a, a full conditioning off season of uh, professional workout strong. You know what to help that? If you give me five to six million dollars and tell me I don't have to go to some BS classes and I can just work out. And bet I get stronger in a year than I will in two in college. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I really don't know about that. I think that you need to have those reps. I, I, I don't see how going to college for another two years hurts him. I really don't. Because he can have a major injury. Yeah, he could have a major shoulder injury. He could have a major knee injury. He could have any type of major inju- injury that can drop his draft stock. If he comes out today, that dude's the number one pick overall. Oh, I'm not saying no I question. disagree with it. Then that's how it could hurt. But I'm not saying that. <laughs> I, I don't believe that a 19-year-old is ever ready for the NFL. I, I believe it's it's different in the NBA, but I don't think it's ever, you know, that's ever going to be the case in the NFL. That's just my opinion. Man, you can say that in a lot of different positions. I just don't really agree with it as a quarterback because some of these players, I mean, you see them in the system and they never really get bigger than they were. Yeah, they're stronger, but they're never really that much bigger than they were when they were freshmen. And then they go to the pros, and they're still stringy and thin. You just got to hope you can protect them. Can you give me an example? Every quarterback looks stringy and thin to me. <laughs> Nick Foles has been in the league 10 years, and he looks stringy and thin. He looks like he'll break if you hit him 
too many times. I mean, there's not really any quarterback except for a Cam Newton, a Russell, a Russell Wilson, um, maybe a stout Drew Brees. <laughs> but quarterbacks typically look the same every I mean, year. Philip Rivers is like not a tiny guy. That much size, <clears throat> huh? Philip Rivers, Big Ben, those are big dudes. Yeah, but they were big coming out of college. Jameis, big dude. I don't know, man. I, I just He was big coming out of college. Yeah, <laughs> I just How tall is, is Trevor Lawrence? Is he 6'4", 6'5"? I thought they said he was 6'6", six, six, but he's somewhere in the 6'4", 6'6". Six, 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 I mean, he is a tall. He's a big dude. I just, man, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I do think that in two years he's going to be the number one. I mean, he, he and Tua, no, they're different classes. So Tua comes out next year, and then Lawrence comes out 2021, right? Yeah, but I think um, – I think over. I think Tua is gonna be a a lot riskier than people think, man. I thought. I mean, he's good if you can protect him, but this is the second year in a row where he's shown if you can get to him, he doesn't read the defenses quite well. It's kind of like the same way I say about Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Kyler was athletic, could throw it and do all those things, but he doesn't see the field as well as Baker. And I think. Um, I don't think Tua sees the field as well as Kyler. A lot of those blitzes, he should have been able to recognize that pre-snap. And he's he just was blinded to him. He was the same thing happened against Georgia. If you can get to him, then his game is all thrown out. He's only good in a clean pocket, and that's not the way the NFL rolls. Yeah, um, a lot of people were asking if they should have put J- Jalen Hurts in it last night. Um, personally, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I don't know if, if he helps you come back from a – four touchdown deficit I mean again this was unprecedented for everybody on that Alabama team so you know is it was it his maturity or his ability to make plays with his feet I I don't know what would have changed that um you know having Jalen Hurts in over Tua would have made well for one he's a veteran he's I believe two and one against Clemson he's the one that beat Clemson last year um, against that defensive line, his 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 ability to get outside the pocket because Clemson was playing a lot of man to man. As you know, when you play man to man, a lot of those corners had their back turned to him. So if he could have got away from some of that pressure and ran, there was a lot of running room. And Tua was not really he was reluctant to run, but there were some running lanes available. Um, at the end of the day, Hurts is still a veteran quarterback. You don't put him in when you're down 28. You put him in at the halftime when you're down 14. And I don't see much difference in what he did last year of putting two in than putting Hurts in in this game. I think if he puts Hurts in at halftime, that changes the dynamic of the game because a lot of the problems were just Tua wasn't reading the field and he wasn't running like he should have to loosen that defense up. I think Jalen Hurts would have done a better job. Now, yeah, they did put him in in the fourth quarter when they're down 28, but then, I mean, you're not running then. Now you're trying to – you have to pass the ball. Right. And I think we can all agree that Jalen's not the best passer out there, so that wasn't even playing to his strengths. Yeah, but if you put him in when they're down 15 at halftime and you got the ball, I mean, he came back from, what, 21 against Georgia? Kind of the same thing. Tua struggled all game. The offense wasn't moving. The defensive line was dominating Alabama's offensive line until Hurts got in there. It was a different aspect. It kind of shook it up. I think it was, I think he should have done the exact same thing. You put Hurts in there, I think it changes the dynamic. You don't think Clemson may have prepared for that? I mean, I think they would have, but you don't know until you try yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, of course you're going to prepare for it because he did it last year. So, yeah, Nick Saban could do this. But I think Hurts gives Clemson more problems. And he's shown that he's giving Clemson more problems. Because I think, I've said 2-1. and one. I think he's 3-1. and one. Is it 2-1? and one? Yeah, it's 2-1 against him because they lost. 
They beat Deshaun Watson, lost to Deshaun Watson, and they beat him last year. Right. So yeah, two and one against them. And even the one, even the game in which Watson won didn't hurt score to score a touchdown to like take the lead, and then Watson drove him down to win. Correct. So. He's very successful against Clemson, so I don't really see the argument of not putting him in at halftime against a team that he's proven to be successful against. All right, man. So, what do you make? What do you think is going to happen next season? So, we, as we talked about, Alabama has kind of shown some cracks. Clemson looks like they're going to be around for a while. Um, is there anyone you can see sneaking into this championship game next year? Georgia, man. Georgia. I mean, with the recruiting class that I just saw that Georgia got has gotten, um, they got some legit wide receivers to go on the outside. No, they don't have fields, but anymore he's going to Ohio State. But Jake Fromm's coming back. I believe Holyfield and Swift is coming back. The defensive line is going to get better, and that was really they were good on defense, but their defensive line wasn't as dominant as it was before. They have two really dominant five-star defensive ends coming in. And, I mean, you never know what freshmen are going to do. But typically how people perform in that All-American game, it usually translates to the college level. And those two defensive ends were dominating that game. I mean, unblockable by those five-star tackles. They were just dominating, meeting at the quarterback. So if they can impact the game like I saw in that All-American game, Georgia's going to be a force next year. Yeah, and we'll see. Their biggest hurdle is coaching against Alabama. Um, You know, if if Kirby Smart can get from under Nick Saban's thumb, then I think that you're probably right. You might start to see um, a new title contender come out of the SEC. I really was I really was hoping that Cliff Kingsbury would go to USC because I thought they were going to be another team to take a step forward. But with him leaving, I have to see who their OC is going to be because that's going to be a big thing with them. But they got two, they got a couple of players too for their recruiting class. Can't never really trust freshmen, but I mean, getting talent on the field is half the battle. Yeah, that's a tough situation for USC. Um, let's go ahead and get into that. We'll talk about the NFL a little bit, but. Um, you know, what do you make of Cliff Kingsbury going to the Arizona Cardinals? Um, we're recording this Thursday, or excuse me, Tuesday afternoon, um, and that news just became official. And um, Cliff Kingsbury agreed to become the USC offensive coordinator, signed a contract, uh, then all of a sudden started interviewing for all these NFL jobs against the wishes of USC, um, which understandably so from their point of view. Um you know, here we are now. He's the he gets fired from a Big Twelve school and he gets hired into an NFL program. It just proves my point that NFL management GMs they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like they're dumb. Why? I, like I would be full on board if you're bringing in Cliff Kingsbury as an offensive coordinator. Right. But if you're telling me you're bringing in a guy. That wasn't even 500 over his six-year span in the Big 12 Conference. He only won over eight games one time with a team that wasn't his recruits, and that's the only time he made a bowl game. And in that time, he had Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, and he couldn't win over six games. How is this? And actually, their best record was, I believe, with Baker Mayfield taking over for the injured quarterback. I believe that was a time where they had like three quarterbacks and they were getting hurt and he had a plethora of quarterbacks. Either way, that's the only time that he's ever won eight games. 
in the Big 12 Conference. They would have been better off going to get Art Browse. I think I put that on a group chat, but Art Browse has a better resume than Cliff Kingsbury. At least when he was at Baylor, they had a dominant offense, and they were a dominant force in college football as a whole. You, go hire him. Why would you hire Cliff Kingsbury? That makes no sense to me at all. Yeah. Um, very, very curious choice by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, that's a direct, uh, you know, the direct opposite of what we talked about last week. Because while I do support getting some young, new talent in the league, because I am sick and tired of hearing the same coaches being brought up for the same jobs. Um, I While on one hand, I do applaud it because this is – thinking outside the box this is going young this is taking a chance with of a guy who clearly has a good offensive mind but i'm with you the guy has never coached on nfl level uh, couldn't didn't prove that he was a good coach uh in college and if it was an offensive coordinator position that'd be one thing working his way up showing that okay he can design nfl offenses um but i i i'm definitely scratching my head as to how they think that this guy can run an nfl program yeah, I mean, and like I said, I think that he's a good offensive mind. I think he's a good quarterback coach. So if you're bringing him in for that, I could understand. But if I'm if I'm correct, didn't Arizona just hire one of these weird assistant coaches in the NFL that didn't work out and they fired him after one year? Yep. So why are you doing it again? Now you're putting your quarterback in a new system again, your rookie quarterback in another system that may or may not work. They just signed him to a four-year deal. It's just... I don't well, know, we don't, man. These NFL owners. Certain communities don't get that long of a leash. So, uh, you know, that's all I want to say <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah, he, he didn't really get a chance. So, But then again, they were pretty awful now, th- also. If, but if Cliff Kingsbury comes in and goes 3-13 and 13 or 4-12, and 12, then uh, does he get the boot too? I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. So... Uh, so, but we know that's how the NFL is. You know that when you take those jobs, you're on a short leash. That's why you have to make bold decisions because you can't you can't play it safe. I mean, you just really can't play it safe. So if you're Hugh Jackson and you're going with Tyrod Taylor or you're the coach of the Cards, I can't remember his name. Steve Wilkes. And you're going with yeah, and you're going with uh, Sam Bradford. Why? What do you have to lose? At the end of the day, if you go 3-13 and 13 with Rosen or 3-13 and 13 with Baker Mayfield, then you can say, hey, you know, we're looking forward. We're, we're looking where we're building for something. But then if you don't, what are you going to say? Oh, I was trying to win with Sam Bradford. Well, you tried to win with Sam Bradford and you went 3-13. and 13. Right. <laughs> what, well, You just wasted our season, our rookie quarterback that we spent the lottery pick to come and get. I think he was 10th or 11th. Either way. You spent a high-round pick. You wasted half a season. We could have had him in there day one. Sam Bradford didn't do anything. And he actually came in and looked better than Sam Bradford. So maybe we could have won a little bit more games. So I, I fought those coaches in that decision, trying to play it safe and keep their job to get a couple of wins. Three games with a rookie quarterback is way better than six games with a better. I agree 100%. I mean, I got to put some of the blame on them, too, man. Sometimes you got to be creative. Well, Sometimes you got to be innovative. Just so we're clear, I wasn't talking about Hugh Jackson. That fool had too long of a leash, if you ask me. But um, and, and to go against my argument, I think Bowles got fired, too, and he went with Donald. He, he did. Uh, <laughs> let's scratch this from the record. It ain't looking good for, for our point. <laughs> uh, all right, man, so let's talk a little bit about the playoff games for this week, uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, Houston came out and got Molly Whopped. Um you know, look just very inefficient. Like Houston in the playoffs. They look like Houston in the playoffs. Um, now, while 
um, what is his name? Doggone head coach for the Texans. Um, is, is it Bill, Bill O'Brien? While he he is a good regular season coach, it seems like nobody on that team likes him, and he comes off as a real ass. But he does produce regular season wins. He gets to the playoffs every single year. Um, but man, in the playoffs, they just look like straight up duds. Offense sucks, man. I mean, they they can't really produce a running back. They can't really produce a running game since Arian Foster left. On top of that, you have DeAndre Hopkins, and it's a little bit of the Julio situation. I just think DeAndre Hopkins is a lot more aggressive to get. Like, if you're not giving him the ball, you're, he's going to let you know. So at the end of the game, Hopkins always comes away with his stats. But it doesn't really always feel like he impacted the game. Like, sometimes Hopkins could have 140 yards and two touchdowns, and you don't ever really feel like his imprint was left on the game. And I don't really understand how that's possible. But that offense is horrific. And Andrew Luck, I mean, that Indian, the Indianapolis Colts team looks dangerous. So, I mean, it could be some that the Colts were just better and some that the Texans were overrated. Well, I don't know which way I lean. The problem for me with Houston is, I mean, we all know that when the playoffs come around, things are magnified. Um, but do they not have – I mean, their receivers stink outside of him. They have no playmakers on that offense, or at least that's the way it seems because you look at a guy like Will Fuller who plays three games a year, um, and when he's in there, he just – he opens that offense up completely. And I don't know yeah, – They do look a lot better. Everybody was talking about Kiki Cutie or, or you know him being the next – but, man, he didn't show anything. Um, Ian Thomas looks like he could be good, but he didn't really – I mean, I just didn't understand the play calling either. I mean, Deshaun Watson didn't look good. I mean, it just didn't look good all around. Ian Thomas is on Panthers, right? Or what's what's the guy's name? Something Thomas. You're talking about Ryan Griffin? Is that No, him? there's there's a tight end. I can't think of his name. Maybe it's Logan Thomas or something. Mm-hmm. But they have a tight end who, who has at times looked really good. Um, but – but I mean, they try. I mean, to their credit, though, they did try to go out and get Demarius Thomas. It's just Demarius Thomas tore his ACLs. That's just a bit of bad yeah, luck. They bad. understand the situation that you're saying because they did try to get him a receiver. Um, they probably picked the wrong one. I mean, when you got a field of Jordan Golden Thomas, Tate, Amari Cooper. I mean, I think I would have just gave the first to get Amari Cooper because there's not much you need as a Texans. What would you? I mean, if the first round pick was the price. Why wouldn't the Texans play pay that? Because you put Hopkins and Cooper that's together. That's disgusting. That's a, yeah, and that's just what you were looking for with Cooper, but more reliable. Right. So, what are you? What are if you're the Texans? What else do you need? What are you holding your first round pick for? Because there's <laughs> not like there's a running back that's going to come in and change the game for you in the first round. I mean, yeah, I would have given that up. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but I mean, I will say I agree with you that <laughs> Indianapolis looked really good. Their defense looks good. Their offensive line looks night and day compared to what we've seen in the past. And um, I think, you know, I think that this is going to be a really interesting matchup against Kansas City this week. Yeah, man. Um, <coughs> the Kansas City. So, so Kansas City's playing the Colts. Cur- I thought they're playing the Chargers. No, they're playing the Colts. New England's playing the Chargers. Oh, New England's playing the Chargers. Okay, um, so it's going to be Kansas City versus the Colts. That's going to be a, a nice game because I I think the Colts' defense is better than the Kansas City Chiefs' defense. I like the young Colts' defense. I like those linebackers, although they I don't love the secondary. That that front seven, front eight is really fast and quick, and Andrew Luck is always dangerous in the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I'm looking upset because at the end of the day. <laughs> 
Like we talked about with Bill O'Brien, you got Andy Reid on the other sideline, man. <laughs> I don't trust to him. To be fair, it's not harder. It's not hard for a defense to be better than Kansas City's. That's one of the worst defenses in the league, hands down. Um, I mean, God. Well, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to this game. I, I agree. I think that I think that Indianapolis is dangerous. I think that um, you know that coaching staff looks for real. That Andrew Luck is always for real when he's on the field. Um, and they look good, man. And I, I just this is gonna be Patrick Mahomes' first real game of you know. Um, of crunch time, really? Did I mean I trust Patrick Mahomes? I don't trust the game management of Andy Reid. That's the problem that they usually have in the playoffs. Is like the way he coaches all season. I've seen like I said, I've seen Andy Reid use all his timeouts at the beginning of the third quarter and then come back and have nothing to stop the clock. <laughs> he just does things like that. Challenging plays that you don't have to challenge, randomly using timeouts on defense, just things that just blows your mind. And then when they're even in a situation to come back, they can't. Last year against the uh, the Titans, they were up like 30 points or something, 30, 17 points, like 34 to 17, and lost the game to the Titans. Let Mariota, Mariota bring them Yeah, back. I was at that game, actually. So you're, tell- so. so you're telling me they're about to face Andrew Luck, who comes back from 30 on a regular? For fun. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't. I don't like that matchup for the Andrew Chiefs. Andrew Luck man. ain't interested till he's down 24 points. So. Yeah. If you don't got him down 21, this is kind of boring. <laughs> so, but yeah, I agree. I mean, as you, that game, I was at that Chiefs game last last year in the playoffs, and when you got Mariota catching passes to himself uh, and scoring touchdowns, yeah. you know, and it's funny because I remember that game, and they were the Chiefs looked dominant in the first half, and I was like, man, I got to get out of here. It's cold. I don't want to be here. But then all of a sudden, the Titans made an ugly, ugly, ugly game and came back and won by two points. So. Um, I'm very intrigued by the by the four matchups this week. Before we get to this week, though, uh, let's talk about those Bears Eagles, man. Um, you know, you were you were leaving your team for dead. Then that's not true. So Beatty and I watched the game together, and uh, this man was crying. He was on the verge of tears. False, false. You know, I said please miss this field goal. <laughs> that is not true. Because I know that Cody Parkey was taking that kick. And if you don't know, Cody Parker Parkey started out with the Eagles. He was like a rookie sensation and then did something to his growing, and he's never been the same. So I wasn't confident that he's going to make the kick. Now, I was mad that the Eagles gave up like 40 easy yards to make it a 40-yard kick. But no, Marcus is exaggerating. So a lot. are you more impressed... <laughs> Okay, you're an Eagles fan, so I won't. I can't. I can't phrase the question this way. But who did the Eagles win the game, or did the Bears lose the game? I mean, it's hard to say because <laughs> the Eagles played well to even. I mean, they held a pretty good offense to 16 points. I don't think anyone expected the Eagles' defense to hold the Bears' offense to 16 points at at Soldier um, Field. You know what I mean? Um, they have a makeshift makeshift defense. They have a makeshift secondary. So for them to play like that, I mean, you got to credit them. But the Bears did the right thing, and they moved the ball. So I would have to say that the Bears lost it because they were in position to win that game. There's no reason they shouldn't have won that game. Right. They should have just went down as a great game where the Eagles fought hard. But the Bears won like they should like they should have. And the kicker takes took that away. I hate to see. 
even though when my team win, I hate to see teams lose on a field goal kick. I mean, that's all they do all day. They don't do any plays or anything. They just sit on the sideline and kick footballs. So the NFL has officially changed uh, that miss to a a block. Um, so they're saying that that Hester for the Eagles, drafted by the Raiders, um, actually <laughs> got a finger on it and blocked the kick, and that's the reason that Parky missed it. Um, Bro, if you see that in slow motion, if he did get a finger it was a on fingernail. it, literally a fingernail, yeah. and that kick, it would not change the direction of the kick that much. <laughs> I mean, that kick was off to begin with. Like you saw, once it left his leg, it was swinging far left. Yeah, um, it was. It didn't look good. And you're talking about a kicker that has the most missed field goals in the league, in a league where Crosby literally <coughs> missed four field goal kicks in one game. And shout out to uh, NFL on Fo- to uh, was it on Fox or NBC? That was on Fox. That game was on Fox. Shout out to Fox. No, it was NBC. Shout out to NBC for taking the time during this kid's missed field goal to uh, play every missed field goal he had that year. <laughs> Talk about an announcer's jinx. Oh, huh? man. They uh, <laughs> insult to injury. And most of them was off the crossbow. So that's just bad business. So as Well, when the Bears cut him, luckily he'll have another career in just kicking off the crossbar because that takes a bit of talent too, to be able to accurately hit the crossbar regularly. So, as a Raiders fan, I was very happy that the Bears lost because that means we got a better draft pick. Um, and then, also, as a Raiders fan, I'm very pissed off that Seattle could not seem to get their shit together um, and beat Dallas, um, which was... That was disappointing. It was a weird game, man, because it seemed like Seattle was playing with a rookie QB or something because they would not let um, Russell Wilson do his thing. And it seemed like Dallas was held... I mean, they basically said, look, you're not going to run on us. You're not going to. Chris Carson had 20 yards. Um, you know, no, no one on Seattle ran at all. And so it seemed like the smart thing to do if you're Pete Carroll is just spread the ball, spread the field. And they, they really never took the opportunity to do that, and I couldn't figure out why. Well, you you also got to give Dallas some credit. Like, I'm a, I'm a Dallas hater, but that defense is really, really good at home. I mean, it's a dome. They can That defensive line is the best part of their defense. They can really get off. That secondary can cover. So it's not as simple as, you know, let them be, get back there and spread the ball around because – it's hard to get that ball out and spread it around quickly with those corners and linebackers and the speed. So that's what really gave them trouble is that defensive line because Seattle's offensive line isn't good. The last time they played, they played in Seattle, and um, Dallas's defense is not as good on the road. I mean, they're just not. But if you, when you play them in Dallas, that defensive line is dominant. That's where they're dominated the Saints. So if you look at what they did to the Saints at home, this really shouldn't surprise you what they did to Seattle because the, the Saints are a lot better offense and they had the same trouble yeah I um I don't know I I think that Seattle's play calling in my opinion was just questionable if you have a guy that can make plays with his feet or turn nothing into something um there's not a better quarterback than Russell Wilson to do that and I just felt like they hamstrung him a little bit but they did have Jalen Spine on, I mean, you know. Jalen runs claims to run a four-three sideline to sideline, I mean, so it's he not easy to just get away. I've seen. So with Jalen out there and Vanderesh, whatever his name is, with that defensive line, I'm, I'm telling you, man, that defense is really, really good at home. Now on the road this week, it's not going to look as good. I'm not saying they're not going to win, but the dominance that you see from Dallas at home, I want to say their record at home is like ten and two or something. So they're a really, really good home team. So I don't really hold that against Seattle. Seattle did good, but 
I mean, I mean, if Russell Wilson Russell Wilson scores something like eighty percent of their touchdowns in some way or form, him and Tyler so Lockett, man, it's insane the stats that those two dudes have, basically. Yeah, so I mean, if you can cut off the head of the snake, you're gonna struggle. It's not the old Legion of Boom that we've seen before. They're not stopping anybody and winning on defense. Well, before we get off that game, it's just so funny to me how um, you you want to piss off the gambling community. Ooh, Pete Carroll pissed him <laughs> off. Um, Dallas favored by two and a half points. Um, obviously, the Seahawks lost by two. Um, their kicker, Sebastian Janikowski, who's old, fat, and out of shape, pulled his hamstring doing his and job. And possibly drunk. And possibly drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is nothing new for him. Um <laughs> You know, pulled his hamstring doing his job, and so Seattle had to go for two. It's not like they wanted to. They had to. Uh, A lot of people are like, oh, yeah, this is brilliant because if they get the onside kick, they go for the field goal for the win. No, they didn't have a field goal kicker. (laughs) The the dude they had was was doing drop kicks. So, um, And I think they may have thought about it. Then they looked over and seen that dude practicing those kicks, and they wasn't even getting any height on the practice. Like, nah, we're probably better off going for two. So they go for two. They convert. And man, Cowboys fans weren't mad. Seahawks fans were mad, but gamblers, ooh boy! If you had the Seahawks, you felt good, and if you had the Cowboys, you probably broke some shit. So yeah, they call it uh, a bad beat. Uh, SVP call it bad beat. It's a bad beat, man. That's one of the worst I've yeah. seen. Um, all right, man. So let's get to this week's play. Oh, I'm sorry, we forgot about the Chargers and the Ravens. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really good game. I mean, but Lamar Jackson getting booed. Uh, what do you feel about that? Uh, man, you can't do that. You can't boo a rookie quarterback who, I mean, what, what's their alternative? Put in Joe Flacco. We've seen Joe Flacco for who knows how many years. Joe Flacco wins in the playoffs, though. Personally, I would have put in Joe Flacco. But, I mean, I wouldn't boo Lamar Jackson. I mean, if anything, I'm going to boo the coaching staff. Yeah, but, I mean, I think at that point where they were booing him, Lamar Jackson had like 25 passing yards. Or I mean, he was all-time bad. Um yeah, I mean, but what do you expect? The dude's played eight games his career. He's never been an accurate passer ever. And as I said, you're going against a, a playoff defense, not to mention the Chargers have the one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the league. So, you know, that, that was really a no-win situation for him. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, and at the end, he still showed some grit. So I think that that's why you don't boo a young quarterback like that because – I mean, you never know. You gotta, you gotta build him up. That's your quarterback of the future. You don't want to get started like that. I mean, a Donovan McNabb style. The city hates him forever, even though he's playing, giving his heart and soul for the team. Now the Chargers I mean, did Lamar, what they could to lose at the end. Yeah, they tried. They tried their best to mm-hmm. lose. So, but oh, go I was ahead. gonna say. So you know, the Ravens. I don't know what to make of them. I think, I think the Chargers kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. Um, towards the end there, but once they open it up and they let Lamar Jackson throw the ball, I mean, hell, he looked good. Crabtree got excited all of a sudden. Uh, you know, the the receivers, I think you and I were pointing out that, you know, Crabtree wasn't even running routes half the time. Willie Sneed was, I mean, the receivers, they, they knew they weren't getting the ball because this kid can't throw. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think it was more of the OC trying to play it safe with Lamar Jackson because since he's a rookie, they didn't want him to have any big turnovers? Well, I mean, I just think that they figured out that they were in a no-win situation. I mean, even though they're at home, you know, yeah, you're going against Phillip Rivers on the other side, so we don't want to turn the ball over and give him any field position. But it's not like they were playing not to lose because San Diego was in control of most of this game. 
But the Chargers were definitely playing not to lose. I mean, I think Austin Eckler had a clear first down and tried to be smart and slide. <laughs> I mean, get the first down first, Why do they keep playing Austin Eckler, by the way? Yeah, I don't know why they play Austin Eckler over Justin Jackson. I mean, I know he's the third down back. I think the, the NFL gets so stuck in these stereotypical roles that they don't just play their talent. I would be playing, uh, isn't it Justin, Justin, Jackson. Justin Jackson? Yeah, I wouldn't even, I mean. Justin Jackson looks like another version of Le'Veon Bell, his patience and the way he runs. I would be playing that combo of Melvin Gordon and Justin Jackson. I wouldn't be playing Austin Eckler. Not at all. Um, all right, let me ask you something before we, before we move on to this week's games. We were talking about this in our group chat yesterday, and there was a debate. Uh, who would you take? Would you take Jared Goff or would you take Dak Prescott as your quarterback? Don't worry about what weapons you have, but if you just had a quarterback, regardless of the team, which one would you take? And I'm definitely going uh, Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott gets a bad rap. I think people are too hard on him because he plays for Dallas, and Dallas fans are unreasonable. But I just don't think that Dak Prescott is as bad as people think, and I think Jared Goff is a little bit overrated little overrated i mean you hear him hear people say oh he won this game this year and that game well so did blake bortles last year that's not a good indication of if a quarterback is good um you have one quarterback in jared goff who has a ton of weapons around i mean brandon cooks robert woods ty Gurley. you got an offensive line you got a defensive line that protects you i mean you just have weapons everywhere so that makes you a lot more comfortable when you're playing as far as dak prescott as a rookie he had zeke and, you know, as a rookie, they're supposed to protect you. And all washed then up this. Yeah, then Zeke got hurt the next year. So, yeah, he's going to struggle. It's his second year in the NFL. His best player just got hurt. And you got a old Jason Witten and a washed-up Dez Bryant who neither one of them could stretch the field. So they can just pretty much put everybody in the box. And he looked decent. This year they started off bad, and they literally gave him one weapon in Amari Cooper. And they've been like 9-3 and three or something like that since they got since he got one weapon. So I just think Dak's a lot better quarterback than people give him credit for. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm. I agree with you. I said that in the group chat yesterday. That you know, at the end of the day, I think Dak Dak Prescott's just a winner from college to now. Um, you know, at Mississippi State, he the dude was winning ten games a year. You know, so nine to ten games, and other than his sophomore year, I mean, the the Cowboys have been winning with him. Um, you know, I the guy he's just a winner, and as I agree with you that. Uh, I think Jared Goff is a little bit overrated, and he has a lot of weapons, and he still struggles. So, um, you know, I think that if you give Dak Prescott those weapons, I think the Rams are close to – if somehow Derek Carr got in the conversation. But I mentioned that if you if you put uh, Dak Prescott or Derek Carr on the Rams, I think that they're better than they are with Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 like, I like to match Jared Goff up with, like, Mitchell Trubisky. They're really good with the innovative, I mean, the t- arm talent. That's what I mean. Their arm talent is really good. I mean, they have all the the typical things that you look for for a really good um, running, I mean, really, really good quarterback. You know, they got the stature, the height, the throwing power and all that. But they need the OC to make things easy for them. I've seen Dak make plays, and he has a shitty offensive coordinator. And he's had a shitty offensive coordinator for years. So I just have to give more credit to that. Somebody that can make plays. It's not always great. It's not always pretty. But, I mean, he doesn't have – receivers don't always get open either. Right. 
I mean, so I, I mean, I don't know. I just think Dak is forced to take all of the blame for everything that happens, and I don't think that's fair. Yeah, that's part of playing in Dallas. So let's talk about this week's games a little bit. We've got the Cowboys versus the Rams. We've got the Colts, the Chiefs, and then on Sunday we've got Chargers, Patriots, Eagles, Saints. Um, what are you looking for this weekend? It would, would what would be considered a real upset? to you or a real letdown to you if if the eagles go in and and beat the saints is that an upset if the chargers beat the patriots is an upset the only real upset i see here is if the eagles go in and beat the saints (laughs) mainly based off of what the saints did to them early in the season i mean the saints made them look like they weren't even the nfl team early in the season now you get this same team at home this dominant offense against your patchwork defense so if the Eagles beat the Saints, I think that would be the biggest surprise. I think nationally, the second biggest surprise would be the Colts beating the Chiefs. But I, as I said earlier, I think the Colts are going to beat the Chiefs. I was going to say, I don't know so, that that's an upset. Um, but I think nationally, you know, most of the casual fan, they've heard all the stuff about Chiefs. They heard about the Patrick Mahomes. Um, you're going to hear on ESPN how great Patrick Mahomes is all week. They're going ESPN is going to build him up. He's the greatest of all so, time already, according to them. Yeah, I mean, of course he's better than Brady, Montana, and then after, you know. Yeah, so Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I, I, for me, I think that Sunday. Sunday, th- this is a good slot of games. I think that the Chargers-Patriots will be a good game, and I, I think that uh, San Diego is going to win that game. I-, I think I would be shocked if the Saints lost to the Eagles. Um, you know, th- this is a game that the Saints should win, and they're favored by eight points right now. Um, I don't know if I would take that, but um, I do expect the Saints to, to win this game at home. Um, and then the Cowboys and Rams, it would not shock me if – the Cowboys went and beat the Rams. I mean, I just I think the Rams have struggled. I don't trust Jared Goff, and I don't know that you can really run run against this Cowboys team. So we'll see. I think it's going to be a situation like it was last week with Seattle. Is you're not going to run on us. We're going to make you beat us by throwing the ball. Well, you got to remember that defense is not the same on the road. It doesn't travel. It's a lot like the Eagles' defensive line last year. One thing about those dominant defensive lines. Uh, when you put them on the road, they can't time those snap counts. It's a little bit different. You got some noise. Oh, excuse me. You got some noise. The um, offense can audible and put you in bad situations. So I'm not so sure that Dallas defense is going to look as dominant against the Rams. For them to beat the Rams, they're going to have to dominate the game. Because if they don't dominate the game, and they let Todd Gurley pick up six to seven yards of carry and let Goff come, be comfortable, they have no chance of beating them. But I mean, the Rams' defense is at home, and that's the same kind of thing that I said about these defensive line. When they get at home, they're a lot more dominant. So the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to have to go against a defensive line in the Rams that's at home, and I just just don't see the Cowboys winning. Yeah, we'll see. It wouldn't shock me. Um, now, the Chargers, I think the Chargers, for, I mean, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, but I like the Chargers to win against Brady. It's just something that Brady and the Patriots and Belichick turn on in the playoffs, so it's hard for me to fully commit. But the Chargers, everything that I've seen, the Chargers should win that game. Yeah, I'm not sold on this Patriots <laughs> team at all, but as you know, you know, it is the Chargers, and they find ways to lose games. So, uh, And you have the greatest quarterback of all time behind center. Yeah, I mean, can't discount uh, – Tom Brady, man. So I'm excited for this this weekend. I think we've got a, a good, a, a, you know, four good games that should happen, and uh, we'll see what comes out. Um, 
Let's get to the dessert round, my man. Um, a lot going on in the NBA. Baseball? Yeah, hot stove time. <laughs> um, a lot going on in the NBA right now. And, you know, I, of course, the NBA is on the back burner, just like college basketball, rightfully so. Um, you know, the NBA is full of drama as always, but we're paying attention to football right now. So um, here's what we got going on. Tom Tibbet, do you ever see Friday? Of course you have. When uh, <laughs> they asked Craig how he got fired on his day off, it's kind of like that with Tom Thibodeau. How do you get fired after a 22-point win? Yeah, two wins in a row at that. Yeah. <laughs> Not even one win, but two wins in a row where your team looks like it's playing exceptionally well and you get fired. How bad of a coach do you have to be for that to happen? I mean, I'm pretty sure that everybody in the building was shocked about that. Um, well, I think, I think that was part of the problem was – no one was in the building. So what I read was the reason why he got fired is because it's season ticket time to start sending the newsletter out to season tickets owners to get them to renew. And there were a lot of season ticket holders who had concerns about Tom Thibodeau still coaching the team. And being the asshole that he is, he was reluctant to do all the PR stuff that you need to gain ticket sales. And that's why he got the ax. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it was overdue. You and I have talked about it for a long time. I don't think that he is a fit for uh, today's NBA. Um, you know, just he's just not. And I don't know who they're going to get in to replace him. They've got uh, Flip Saunders' son, whatever his name is, Saunders. Ryan, Ryan Saunders, Saunders coming in to uh, maybe inject some life into that offense but uh, or that team in general. So um, we'll see how that goes, but... It, that was long overdue. Um, it shocked me, but it was definitely long overdue. Yeah, I mean, anytime you got a coach in 2019 that is leaving his starters in up 30 against Phoenix, it's I mean, it's great for fantasy and player stats, but it's just ridiculous. And then you get players starting to complain about why are we in these games? Why are we still playing in these games? You got a bench full of people that were, I mean, a lot of those guys were starters last year. And why is everybody, why is your starter playing 40 minutes a game? I mean, they traded for Dario Sark, and he's playing like 15 minutes just because he's coming off the bench. He has no idea how to use his bench. So It never has. I'm glad. Good, writ, good riddance. Um, they're talking about getting Fred Hoiberg in there. I think that'll be great for this team because this team is not as aggressive as that Chicago team, and I think they'll actually listen to the fundamentals he tries to teach. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with them because, I mean, obviously they do have some talent with Carl Anthony Towns and – I guess Andrew Wiggins, but even Dario Sarge. I mean, they've they've got you know they've got some talent, so there, there's definitely no reason that they should be as bad as they are. Um, you know, this was a team that was in the playoffs last year, and I don't think that they're going to sniff that this year. I think they can if they can just get an offense. I mean, if you quit letting Cat now, Cat's been way more dominant as of late. So let me start with that. He's been playing a lot more under the basket, but well, I remove still the don't think will do that to you. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. <clears throat> Good transition. But I just don't think that, that he's had an offense yet to make things easier for him. So if he can get a coach that can make the offense easier for him where he's not forcing so many shots, that can be a really good team. But let's transition into the removing of the cancer from the Timberwolves. Who are you talking about? Uh, a one Jimmy Butler um, who has taken his talents what? to the Philadelphia 76ers and New Year's same him. Um, that dude man that is a cat that i would not want on my team at all for for a guy that's never won anything different tuned than earlier in the season 
Shit, no. I, I already said earlier, you the one that shot me down. I was like, this cat has never won anything in the league. Nothing. Nothing. Not a not a defensive player of the year. Not a maybe most improving player, but that's it. Like, this cat has never won shit. And he he walks around like he's Kobe Bryant or something. Like, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, I think T Mac tweeted something like that. Like, this dude is good. But he ain't but that good. To the, yeah, he's not like elite level carrier team to be just coming in demanding shit good. Yeah, and I I knew this was headed for a bad turn when he first got there and within a first and within the first week Joel Embiid was complaining about his uh status on the team and that's not gonna that's not gonna work. So you're definitely gonna feed Joel Embiid and ever since then you've seen a gradual decline in Jimmy Butler. When Jimmy Butler first got there, he was hitting 30, hitting game winners. The ball was going through him, and Jimmy Butler was, I mean, not Jimmy Butler. Joel Embiid was like, no, no, this, this is my team. My team. You, right. You're not going to come here and do that same shit you did in Minnesota. And Joel Embiid doesn't seem like he's a Carl Anthony Towns. He seems like someone that's going to buck back. You don't hear him saying a lot about the players on the team, but you just hear him taking advantage of the coaches. And that's kind of his M.O., he did that when he was in Chicago. He's doing it when he was in Minnesota. Now he's doing it now. So I just don't know why he thinks he can do that. Now, and I mean, like I said, a good player, but not a player where – I mean, he's not a cat that I would – Jimmy Butler's a piece. He needs to realize that. Like, he's a piece. He's not a cat that you can just plug in and all of a sudden, oh, this guy's going to carry you to a championship. No, he's not on that level. So I don't get where, where he gets his voice from. Yeah, I mean, he just wants the ball in his hands all the time. And the funny part is he doesn't even need the ball in his hands. So somebody's inflated his ego, and he knows he doesn't need the ball. He's been a piece on a team before, and he was great in that role. Um, He was a lockdown defender, a scorer, a piece of a team. Why can't he just be that? And now it's in a bad situation where if he's doing this now, there's no way they're going to resign him. He's on the last year of the contract. It's good that the um, Sixers didn't give up that much for him probably because around the league they already know that it was 50 50 that it'll work but it's just glad all they lost was dario Saric, robert covington in a second i mean you can survive that with the amount of talent that you got i mean you can literally get that pick back from markel folk so right i agree i mean i just I, I think it's time i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if they traded jimmy butler again i don't know who will take him but you know the miami heat's still out there desperate so they're not going to give what they were going to give to the the Minnesota Timberwolves. But at this point in time, it might be more beneficial for them to get rid of them. Yeah, I don't uh I don't know what what Philly's going to do because they're certainly not better. Uh not they doesn't seem like they're in a better situation with having him. Uh you know, I mean the dude is So if I told you that I was going to send if the Miami Heat called and said, "We'll send you James Johnson, Wayne Ellington and a Second round pick for Jimmy Butler. You say no? I mean, I certainly have to think about it. Um, I mean, but those dudes are exactly what you need for Philadelphia, actually. So I'd probably say, yeah, they got that toughness. Two dudes that don't have to, that that aren't going to take the ball out of Embiid's hands. They're not going to take the ball out of Simmons' hands. They don't mess with Reddick's flow. So, I mean, I'd consider it. But you also, now, while we're talking all this shit about Jimmy Butler... I mean, he is one of the top 20, 25 players in the league, so. But he's only that if he's, he has chemistry with the team and he's actually helping you, and I don't know that he's helping them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. At this point. I, they, I mean, now he's even now he's even doing the shit again, sitting out with minor injuries every other game, so. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're Philly, you kind of are in a situation over the next month to where you have to figure out, like, all right, can we win a ring with this dude? If not, let's get him out of here. Or is he that piece that puts us over the top and we need to keep him? So yeah, I definitely don't think he's the piece that nothing that he's shown as of right now shows me that that team can beat Boston and especially not what happened on the Christmas game. And just to touch on that Christmas game, I know it's been weeks ago, but is it about time for the Philadelphia 76ers to stop playing Ben Simmons in crunch time, man? But how can you do that when he's your number one over, overall pick and, and franchise guy? Let me ask you this. Let me let me respond to that question with a question. Would it shock you? If um, Philly traded Ben Simmons in the next few years, because I'm not—I don't think—I don't think that I happens. don't know that it happens, but I'm not sure that he's a great fit with Embiid. Um, and that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. At the end of the game, you can't put Embiid in there because you can't isolate and let him work because whoever's guarding Ben Simmons is going to drop down and help. Right. So, but he can develop a jump shot. I think so, so I don't too. Really... Um, I don't, I'm not saying they're going to, but it wouldn't shock me if. <coughs> If Philly decided, you know, we like you, Ben, but I think if we were to package you for something else, um, you know, keep. I mean, it would have to be within this year because the Sixers have a team that can go to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I don't see it happening, but it wouldn't shock me if Philly, over the next couple of years, decided, eh, we can't deal with a point guard who can't shoot. He doesn't fit with, with uh, Embiid at all. Well, speaking of untradeable players... How about James Harden last week? Man, is that one of the most insane weeks of basketball that you ever seen? Of that dude just taking a team on his back and becoming Super Saiyan? I mean, that game against the Golden State Warriors where he brought them back from down 20, hit the game-tying shot uh, at the end of regulation over Kevin Durant. Survived the refs blatant cheating and then hits a 34 foot three pointer over Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and, and might have gotten fouled to win the game. Man, I mean, you talk about people hate on James Harden, me included, that he's just a, <laughs> one of like I hate watching him play for the most part. I hate watching, I hate watching the Rockets play for the most part, but man, um, the guy's incredible. When you, you talk about what he did over a 10 game stretch. You know, only three players now have scored 400 points in 10 games, and that's him, Michael Jordan, and uh, Kobe Bryant. So you're talking about the two best shooting guards ever, and now James Harden is is in that company, you know, on that stat. I mean, the guy has been nothing short of impressive and legitimately dragged them from a, um, like a 13th seed to now the 5th seed in the West right now. And the funny part about that, we talk, we focus on the points and say he scored 400 points, he averaged 40 points a game, but that's leaving out the fact that the dude is, like, hitting 10 threes, he's 10 assists, 15 <clears throat> rebounds, like, shooting 50%. Like, if you look at the whole stat line over those 10 games, it looks like some Wilt Chamberlain shit. It really <laughs> Back is, in man. the 1960s. It's the craziest lines that you've seen, like 40 points, 15 rebounds, 12 assists, 10 threes, 55% shooting. Like It's, it's nuts. Nuts. And it's nuts. You know, I've never seen a, a – I mean, not. I won't say ever because we've, we've both seen uh, Kobe and Michael average 35 for a season and T-Mac as well, but um, – yeah. But man, it's what he's doing with the other stats that he's pulling in as well. The efficiency that he's doing it, man, that's tough. That that's tough. I the the guy is incredible. 
Yeah, man. I mean, he's incredible. I, I I know we had the argument early, and I said James Harden's not better than Allen Iverson. <laughs> but at this point, at this point, it's hard to argue. I have to already say the conversation that's over. Now you're still not getting me with the Jerry West. Jerry West, Allen Iverson's still in fifth, but you're not gonna tell me that you know Jerry West is over Iverson. But yeah, James Harden has definitely passed Iverson. He's probably very, very close to passing Wade. It's just going to be hard because Wade has those three titles, one that he won. He put the team on his back. But this back-to-back MVP, man, because I think he's he's right in line to win the MVP. That's going to make it real hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Harden, as I said, he's top five shooting guard all the time already. I don't I don't see him getting past Kobe, but I, I can see him getting to three. I can see him getting to Wade. Um the guy has definitely, you know, the guy's been incredible. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Houston's built to win. Chris Paul's not back. I still think that if they can get fully healthy and maybe make one more move, that they're going to give Golden State some problems. But, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing them jump up Oklahoma City, who's playing very well right now. Paul George is on another level. Um, yeah. And then Denver as well, who, you know, is playing really good basketball. <coughs> well... Luckily, the Rockets locked Chris Paul in for another three to four years at forty million dollars a year. So All time bad good move for the future. All time bad move. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see. Um, all right, man. Before we get out of here, that's what we got on the NBA. I do want to touch on we we talked about the self proclaimed uh, greatest of all time, um, LeBron James. Uh, the Lakers are pretty bad without him. Um, you know, he's he's supposed to be coming back within the next few games. Um, do you think this team can get to the playoffs? No, I'm on record of saying that they do not get in the playoffs. Mm. My, I don't think they get in the playoffs. Man. I I would be shocked if a if a LeBron James led team did not make the playoffs. So uh, we might have to. I just think there's other teams playing better, and that team. I mean, now there's always I got to keep put the caveat that it's gonna be very trade dependent. If this team stays the way it is, which I don't think that's gonna be the case, they don't make the playoffs. I have to see what trades they make. We'll see. Um, all right, man, that's what I got. Anything else to plug? Uh, nah. Bruce Arians just got hired by somebody. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, no, man, just check us out on um, Instagram. Our two smart dummies. That's number two, smart dummies, I-E-S, on Instagram. And smart dummies, two, on Gmail. Facebook still pending. <laughs> uh indeed um <laughs> facebook coming to you 2019 2020 <laughs> at some point uh, i wouldn't about to say not 2019 20, i'll probably give it 2020 i'm against facebook man hardcore <laughs> so uh you know all right y'all y'all have a good weekend we'll enjoy these uh nfl playoffs and we'll see y'all next week peace, peace.